Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, as you can see on your screen in front of you, we have a follow-up episode to the continuing saga of WB Games and will or won't AT&T sell the WB Games division to some lucky buyer like Microsoft, Activision, Take-Two, or Electronic Arts. As it turns out, it looks now like the spinner has firmly landed on AT&T won't be selling WB Games, but in order to understand why, we kind of have to go through the background of how this entire story developed. So back in June, we did a video called Will WB Games Really Be Sold? It was premised on this article that was in CNBC called AT&T Seek Sale for Warner Gaming Unit Could Fetch About $4 Billion, sources say. And when we reviewed this article, one of the things we noted was that all of this was based on people familiar with the matter. And as we talk about in virtual legality very often, we don't love anonymous sources every single time, especially in the business world. They are anonymous sources that are attached to one party or the other and that have their own agendas as to why they want to leak this information, why they are telling somebody at CNBC that Warner Brothers gaming unit could potentially be up for sale. And one of the things that popped out of this particular article was that it looked to me from afar that these leaks were likely to be being done by WB or AT&T in order to drum up interest in their product. They want to be able to sell this entity for $4 billion. AT&T is under a lot of pressure because of the debt that it is currently carrying that was not at all helped by the purchase of the Time Warner assets in general. And so they are leaking out information that says, hey, just in case anyone else is interested, this unit is up for sale. It's going to be about $4 billion. Call us. Our phone lines are open. We also commented as part of this video that one of the things that was really difficult about what Warner Brothers games had was that most of the products that they were making, most of the really successful ones, were based on licenses. You can see those referenced here. Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Lego Movie, Mortal Kombat, Scribblenauts, everything from DC, including Batman, which you can see in the thumbnail to this very video. And while it wouldn't be impossible for Warner Brothers to license out that intellectual property to whoever purchased their games division, it would be complicated. And so whenever you have those kinds of complications, the likelihood of a successful sale is lowered, right? Anytime you have more buttons to press, more levers to pull, it's going to be less likely that you're actually going to be able to sell what it is that you want to sell. It's also going to be less likely that you're going to be able to properly value the asset that you want to sell. So what looks like $4 billion to you, because you have these licenses internally that you can use, might not look like $4 billion to Electronic Arts, Activision, or Microsoft, right? And speaking of Microsoft, one of the things that happened the next month after no movement was had on this particular story was that a specific site wound up leaking that Microsoft might be interested in buying the WB Games assets, which made sense, of course, because Microsoft had been in the process of purchasing seemingly every video game company for the past few years. And so this particular magazine, the information went out with a story that said Microsoft expresses interest in acquiring Warner Game Unit. And in the video that we did on this, one of the things that we pointed out was once again that this information being leaked was effectively beneficial to Warner Brothers and AT&T because having Microsoft in play suggests to other potential bidders that this is a serious opportunity, that $4 billion might be a reasonable price for the asset in general if someone like Microsoft has expressed interest. But what we also pointed out in that video 
was that it was useful to WB because Microsoft could be a stalking horse, could essentially be being used specifically for that purpose by WB, and that there wasn't any video game entity on earth that wouldn't say that they would express interest in purchasing these assets if the price were right. Express's interest in acquiring Warner Game Unit is not Express's interest in acquiring Warner Game Unit at $4 billion or $6 billion or some number that would make AT&T happy. If Microsoft says, sure, we would love to have more video game developers under our umbrella, but we think it's probably worth $2 billion, especially since we've got work in process licensing issues with Harry Potter and Batman and all these kinds of things, and there are no promises that Warner Brothers will be willing to enter into those licenses with us in the future. So it's worth a lot less to us than it potentially is to you. That's still expressing interest. That doesn't make this story wrong, and it's useful for Warner Brothers to have Microsoft in the mix, but... It's starting to feel right in July that maybe they aren't getting the bites on the line that they would otherwise hope to have. And that led to the third video in this series, which was actually a result of a number of folks going out and saying, as of early August, not today, but early August, that AT&T looks to have changed its mind about selling its gaming studios. And we did a video on this because that interpretation of events as of early August was almost entirely wrong specifically almost entirely backwards. And we said WB Games sale is now more likely, not less, because one of the things that had come out of this letter that people were using was that during this entire restructuring of the Warner Brothers motion pictures group, etc., Warner Brothers Interactive was remaining the same, that nothing was changing within it. And so one of the things that we pointed out in that video was that, hey, when you don't change things like that, when you don't upend the structure of what is happening, it means that you are still trying to preserve the integrity of the asset that you are seeking to sell. And so I look at a statement like this, almost exactly the opposite of the Eurogamers and IGNs and whoever else reported on this of the world, because I look at it from a business perspective and say, this means that it is still being shopped. And I think when you look at the article that we're going to talk about today, AT&T to scrap sale of Warner Brothers video game unit, the actual presence of an article like this one, the leaked information saying that AT&T isn't going to sell Warner Brothers games, does help establish that it was for sale during the month of August. That this interpretation of the restructuring letter is specifically wrong because it's only now today that AT&T has decided that they aren't going to shop it. Now, like so many instances in virtual reality, I want to break down some of the messaging here, also some of the speculation so that we can at least be aware of the demarcation when we're reading articles like this one. But ultimately, it looks to me like AT&T couldn't get someone that was interested in purchasing the asset for $4 billion and then said, well, if we can't get something close to that, we might as well keep it and let it ride. Here's how the article begins. AT&T has removed its Warner Brothers video game business from the list of non-core assets up for sale, deciding it was too valuable to unload during its effort to pay down debt and streamline, according to people familiar with the situation. Now, once again, we have to say anonymous sources always have their own agendas. We can't evaluate those agendas properly. That's why anonymous sources are bad. However, given the history here, and that's one of the reasons that I went over it, 
given the history of leaking that it was for sale, given the history of leaking that Microsoft was interested, given the rest of the history of this particular story, I think it is worth noting that this is definitely coming from AT&T. First of all, I'm not sure what other sources would tell you that AT&T is no longer shopping its asset, but these leaks all appear to have come from AT&T and Warner Brothers, and that appears to be the way that they wanted to do business on this particular auction process to effectively leak that there was an auction happening, leak that a number of big players were interested, and now leak that it's over because AT&T found the asset. It, it's just too valuable to unload. Now, note one thing that you don't see in this paragraph and that you won't see in this article is that too valuable is not compared to $4 billion, certainly not by the AT&T sources, right? It's too valuable, meaning we think it's still worth $4 billion, and maybe we think it's worth $8 billion now. Who knows what number we want to attach to it. But we weren't getting the bids that we wanted. We didn't get a date to the prom. And so now we look at it and say, well, it's just too valuable to unload at the prices that we were being offered. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, the gaming unit that is home to titles like Harry Potter Wizards Unite and Mortal Kombat 11, had attracted interest from several major companies and could have reaped $4 billion as reported by CNBC in June. Again, this reporting is effectively backwards, right? AT&T wanted $4 billion. The fact that they aren't selling it for $4 billion suggests that they didn't get any offers for $4 billion. AT&T and the people that are spinning this right now want you to think that, oh yes, when we talk about the companies that were interested, $4 billion was offered by everyone. That was obviously a discount price. They would have bought it in a second, but we reevaluated and said, it's actually worth $10 billion to us, so we don't want to sell. That could be the case, of course. You know, we're all guessing as to anonymous sources here. Strikes me as unlikely. Strikes me as unlikely that people were willing to pay more than $4 billion than what AT&T appeared to be shopping the asset for. And so when you've got a sentence like this, it says could have reaped $4 billion. Sure, that's what they wanted to sell it for. The fact that they aren't selling it is suggestive of something else in terms of the value of the asset, but we'll let Bloomberg go on with this. But AT&T balked, given the business's growth potential, said the people, asking not to be identified because the information is private. Again, there was a concern at AT&T, according to these anonymous sources, that $4 billion wasn't enough. And you can see the spin cycle happening in real time when you read this article. You've got leaks that are very likely from AT&T. You've got them saying, oh, this is just so valuable. This asset is so great. We couldn't even sell it for $4 billion. We rethought this entire process. Of course, we also were working with an outside investment advisor the whole time. AT&T began working with Lion Tree Advisors earlier this year to explore a potential sale of business, which means we were serious, according to two of the people familiar with the matter. Microsoft, Take-Two, Electronic Arts, and Activision Blizzard were among potential suitors for the asset, those people said, all the same anonymous sources. AT&T and Take-Two declined to comment. The other companies didn't immediately respond to our request. The decision to abandon the sale, here's an important part of the article, which could be subject to change came amid a turnover in senior leadership at AT&T. In July, their chief operating officer took over as chief executive officer after Randall Stevenson left that role, remaining chairman. So it was a shuffle, but the same individuals at the top of the AT&T chart still remained the same. So it's unlikely that the entirety of the philosophy of the company changed during that kind of shuffle, but changes can be made. What's important to note here is the yellow. Hey, we, abandoning, we are abandoning the sale, but that could be subject to change at any time. And of course, that's always the case when we talk about businesses, right? When we talk about the fact that Microsoft expressed interest, it was for the right price. 
It's the same way with AT&T. Yeah, we're not going to shop this asset anymore, but if somebody were to offer us $4 billion, or heck, maybe they're telling the truth and now they think it's worth $6 billion or $8 billion, that's fine. If somebody were to offer us the right price, this asset would be sold tomorrow. And that's what AT&T would do. So yeah, they're abandoning it right now because they didn't get enough bites on the line for a number that they liked. Now we get into speculation from Bloomberg. Influencing factors. A few factors may have influenced AT&T's retreat from the sale process. Among them is the upcoming release of a potentially popular Harry Potter game that allows players to take on roles as different characters and explore the Hogwarts Wizard Academy. Now, yes, I suppose that may have influenced the retreat from the sales process if for some reason you think it is much more valuable than it was apparently as of two months ago, but that is the business of evaluation. That is the kind of thing that Microsoft or whomever would have been looking at and trying to establish what the likely revenues are for that and to pay AT&T accordingly. What this sentence actually suggests, if it is at all true, is that AT&T has a different feeling on the relative successful merits of their works in process, whether that's Gotham Knights or Harry Potter or anything else, than some of their potential suitors did. Because all we are talking about is cash money. You can always say, all right, well, if we anticipate the revenues are going to be X, then we discount them to what today is. We come up with a price for what we want to buy your asset for. And if everybody agrees, that's just a number. That's just dollar bills exchanging accounts. So this suggests that if there is in fact a work in process that AT&T feels very confidently about, that some of their potential buyers didn't feel as confidently about. Then we say in the article, as the COVID-19 pandemic has closed megaplexes, movie theaters, People are seeking out different sources of entertainment. New video game releases are landing like blockbuster movies. Now, the truth is that new video game releases, at least in their opening weekend, have been releasing like blockbuster movies for really almost a decade now, if not more. And so what we are seeing now in terms of the pandemic is a lot more people buying a lot more games. I think everybody's revenue is up in gaming. But as was said, that's the kind of thing that you can try to deal with mathematically. As I said earlier in the video, though, it is a complexity, right? If COVID-19 goes away tomorrow, what does video game revenue look like for the rest of the year in 2021? And since we can't actually predict when the pandemic might end, that creates its own problem in evaluating these particular assets. So this might be AT&T saying, all right, we've got difficulties with our work in process valuation. We've got difficulties with the pandemic. And then we've got difficulties with intellectual property, as we pointed out in our very first video in the series. As Bloomberg says here, it's also possible that AT&T realized that selling the business could be more complicated than it expected. The amount of licensed content in the games would come with a set of long-term strings attached. Yes, I think that that is in fact the case, that the intellectual property was a stumbling block. It was an area of complexity. I doubt very much that a behemoth like AT&T was surprised about the fact that the intellectual property set up at Warner Brothers Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, would present that complexity. So backing down at this point in time doesn't suggest that that was solely the reason that AT&T was somehow surprised by all of this. But now we see that the sale isn't going through. This is the kind of article that does suggest that the sale has now stopped as of this time. And Bloomberg is putting out all of these potential reasons why. I think the most obvious one is the one that Bloomberg is effectively skipping here, taking their sources as sacrosanct, coming seemingly out of the mouths of AT&T. And that is that nobody appeared to want to buy this asset at the price that AT&T wanted to sell it at. And yes, all of these reasons are suggestive of problems establishing that price, as well as problems that AT&T might have had doing this whole thing. 
So at the end of the day, Warner Brothers Games looks like it's going to sit at AT&T at least for the foreseeable future. If you're looking forward to Gotham Knights or Suicide Squad killing the Justice League or any of the other things that got announced at the DC Fandom and are otherwise on the slate for Warner Brothers Games to sell, it does look now at this point in time that Warner Brothers Games is going to continue to be a separate entity, separate from these big giant publishers. But don't be surprised if the pandemic continues, if AT&T winds up in a worse spot, that they start evaluating sales of these kinds of assets again. Yes, video games are popular now during the pandemic. If that continues, if that growth holds, AT&T is sitting on an asset that they clearly don't necessarily fully understand, that these media companies don't generally love running video game companies because they are distinct in terms of the synergies and the business acumen afforded to the people that are running them. And so it wouldn't surprise me if AT&T looks at this and says, well, maybe we take it off the market right now because nobody can set a proper price. And then we come back and look at this thing again, but probably also because nobody was willing to pay the price that we wanted to get for it in the first instance. This has been an update on the WB saga here on Virtual Legality. If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are here. As you can tell, we've got new thumbnails. We've got new intros and outros. I've credited the folks responsible for that, Joe Ellis and Chris LaRue, in the description to this video. And that one will remain in the description to my follow-on videos. They did a fantastic job. Please thank them for the work. I certainly do. And if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.